Now I'm joined by uh, motoring journalist uh, Shan Giado of Motoring Middle East and Noel Ebden. How are you guys? It's been a long time since we've been in a room together. It has, yeah. I've been travelling, so uh, yeah, I've been out of town. So good to be back. I've not been travelling, but I've been driving loads of cars and going loads to Iftars and Suhoors and seeing some cool stuff, often alongside you, Mr. Reed. It has been that season, hasn't it? It's been the Iftar Suhoor season and a good time to catch up with people and, and also to check out a few uh, cheeky new cars along the way as well. Um, but let's get, let's get straight into the headlines to start with. Now, today, Sharjah is, and this will interest both of you, I think, is auctioning off hundreds of abandoned cars in the Emirate. The government gave the owners of these cars four days to claim them before they go under the hammer. There are 440 cars. Um, they've been in the municipality's compound now for just over six months. Likewise, in Abu Dhabi, police have, uh, have, have warned motorists that if they accumulate more than 7,000 dirhams in traffic fines, they need to pay up or their car will be impounded and it will also be sold at public auction. Um, now, I'm not saying it's interesting to you because you have cars that are locked up. I'm not, in, I'm not <laughs> insinuating anything whatsoever, but more the point, being the other side of the fence, the customer, would, would, would you guys buy an abandoned car at an auction if it came up? I'll I know Noel would. Yeah, well, yeah. I was going to say, I'm, the, I'm probably the worst person to ask because I'd buy anything. So, um, but yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, if it's been, it depends how long it's been sitting. I mean, devil's advocate. Yeah. I'd say, why not? I mean, if the window's been down, the interior's probably full of sand. It's not been stored with love, care, and precision. The battery's flat. Um, you have no idea what condition the tire's in. Basic safety stuff. That's my devil's advocate argument for not buying mm. a car. Or can we all fix cheaply? That's the question. Know, I, I, mean, went, I went down the path very, I went part way down the path. And there's a car that I think that we all know uh, that's been abandoned in a media city car park for many, many years. And uh, it's, a, it's a very rare Group A Mercedes 190E mm. Cosworth. And uh, it, was, it was with the big washout of people in 2009 and the car was there. And, and it sat there for years. And I thought, I'm going to find out how you do this. So I rang the police and I said, how, how can I remove this car that's been sitting there for long? Because the police at the time were going through the process of cleaning up dirty cars off the streets. Mm-hmm. Now, it accumulated 28,000 dirhams worth of parking fines, which I had to pay first. Oof. Then I could put it on a, on a flatbed truck mm. and get it out there. It had no tyres, so I needed to do that as well. So spend a bit of money. Then it would go to auction, and I would have first bid. No guarantee that it was my car. What does first bid mean exactly? Exactly. So <laughs> at that point, I went, okay. And I think it might still be sitting there. I'm not sure. I but anyway, but the, so, yeah, it's kind of, you know, there is a way to do it. But there's mm. no guarantee that after you do all that, that it's your car because it then has to go through the auction process. You have to applaud the government, don't you? Because these kinds of things, the situation you're describing, essentially sort of black hole of regulations and tape. And by putting these auction cars up for sale, they basically cut the tape and said, OK, you can now get access to these cars that are just often forgotten about. Mm. Whether they're good cars, it comes down to the individual car sometimes and how the owner maintained it before he or she parked it there for whatever. Correct, however. yeah. my only The only thing that I would add to that is that I don't. What the thing I don't like is that quite a lot of these cars come with no paperwork. Yeah, and it would be very easy for the government to just say, right, the previous owner has abandoned the car, no longer available or no longer in the country, and here's some new papers, and so the buyer of that car can then put it back on the road. Mm. Otherwise, the car is actually a scrap car. Yeah, and so to be clear, I don't think you should buy a car with no papers, isn't it? Because you've been in this situation. Like, what's that like? Yeah, it's uh, well, my my the car that I bought with no papers is now the DJ booth at a roller disco. <laughs> 
So uh, a fitting end. Uh, indeed, yeah. So interesting story with that. So one. a yes or a no? Would you buy a car at auction and abandoned car? Yeah. Why yeah. Not? I'm yeah. going to go no. Uh, I'm. I, I probably would put my hand up and hope I wasn't the successful bidder and run away. So I'm halfway. Now the other thing that's been. <laughs> it's just so me. Um, the other thing that's been happening this month, or is going to happen in May, is oh, thankfully, petrol prices are coming down. They're coming down now. It's, a this squidge, a yeah. tiny bit. It's good. It's good news for motorists because prices have have been on the rise since February, um, when they started paying ten percent more to, to fill your tank back in February. In March, prices are up by another ten percent. This month, they've gone up by sixteen percent because of the global oil prices have surged beyond that magic one hundred dollars a barrel. Yeah. Um, but it's going to drop. It's dropping by 2.1%. Uh, Super, Super 98 is dropping by, and this is the breakdown of the fuels, Super 98 is dropping by 2.1%, which means it's going from 3.74 down to 3.66. Special drops by just under 2%, 1.9 in fact. It'll going from three point six two to three point five five. For that one, for that one listener who's listening and who has that diesel car, um, it's <laughs> <laughs> and our commercial vehicle friends, of course, the um, it, it's dropping one and a half percent from four point oh two dirhams to four point. Sorry, 4.08. No, it's going up by one and a half. So there you go. 4.02 up to 4.08. E plus 91 is going down 2% from 3.55 to 3.48. What have... Have you crunched the numbers as to? I've, see, a friend of mine has an F one fifty. Said, rang the, uh, spoke to me this as morning. As I do, yeah. yes, as I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess and, we all have. And it. said, "Yay, he's saving ten dirhams on yeah, a tank." Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, uh, th- this whole thing baffles me. I mean, there's people queuing up to save. 10 dirhams and they've probably driven around three different petrol stations yes. wasting 10 dirhams especially in a raptor you so. are 10 dirhams yeah. if you are driving exactly around. and you know what i i've i've, I've actually switched how i fill my car i mm. used to just pull into the station and say full special or full full super or whatever i've now changed that and i just go in and i say 200 dirhams yeah so i'm yeah um, as much as as much as i am being affected by it i see it less if that makes sense it's kind of a i guess it's a mental thing isn't it that you don't you don't feel it as no, much. But, but yeah. you're probably going to get uh, get really geeky here. But you're probably going to get more mileage out of your car because you're not carrying around a full tank of fuel, which weighs the car marginally That's more. A very good. So good if you're running around too. with a, with a, a if you can, if you just do a half fill each time mm. and stop more often, mm. you're probably going to get better fuel economy because you're only carrying half the weight of the fuel as opposed to a full tank of fuel. You heard it here first. What a theory! <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I would point out that I'm in quite a privileged Scotty position. Scotty's side to be coming out now. <laughs> it, it is very. Um, in a Raptor, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Yep. You're empty or not, it's got a big old 400 horsepower lump up front. It doesn't matter. It doesn't care. I am the very fortunate position, like some of the people at the table. I work from home and I don't have to do a commute. But I feel for people who have to do long commutes from the likes of Ajman, Umukwen, etc. Uh, wonderful places to live, but it's a lot of traffic and you don't really have an option. You have to fill up your tank and you have to go. So those people do feel the pinch the most. And you have to wonder, mm. what are the measures they're taking? They don't yeah. have any options. Well, mm. there, there is there is an option on the way and it's an expensive one, but it is coming because uh, uh, for those who enjoy their internal combustion engines, Porsche has had announced a $75 million investment in the industrial production of e-fuels. It's a synthetic low-carbon fuel uh, that will complement its plan to electrify 80% of its model lineup by around about 2030, I think. Uh, Porsche wants to go carbon neutral by the end of the decade and said at a briefing just this week that the technology could enable the automaker to continue producing 
Thankfully, it's classic flat six-cylinder sports cars into the next decade because that means so much from a hero perspective, from an image perspective. But um, this e-fuel is coming in. What, what what do you guys know about e-fuels? Or mm. does, does it sort of tick any boxes? Well, it was interesting because uh, McLaren and Porsche both announced this at the same within the same week of each other that they discovered how to do this. Mm. Uh, McLaren have since gone quiet on it. So they've either... Either they've done a deal with Porsche, maybe I'm not sure, um, or they're 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 just uh, sitting back and sort of developing it a bit more in secret. But uh, I definitely think this is the way forward. I, I yeah. can't. I, I still I've got nothing against electric cars at mm. all, but I think it's putting off a problem. It's moving a problem to a different location. Yeah, and. There has to be another solution to this. Um, and it, as, again, I'm not anti-electric uh, yeah. car at all. Um, I think they have their space in the market. Um, but certainly, I mean, hybrids, I mean, if you look at the mileage you can get from a good new hybrid now yeah. and the emissions that they put out, of, I mean, if you, if you could add to that a synthetic fuel as well, that's, mm. I mean, you'd be talking such negligible amounts of uh, emissions. That yeah. Why not? I mean, ab- absolutely. We were talking about e-fuels, and I didn't give you the chance the right of reply <laughs> in that one. Uh, you, you've just re- you're in the process of restoring a combustion engine four-wheel drive right now. That the trusty Land Cruiser. Um, do you see e-fuels as being a way to keep this uh, keep keep life in this vehicle yet? Well, first of all, I'm going to need a lot of e-fuel to keep that one on the road. Um, the price of e-fuel is something that hasn't been discussed because mm-hmm. the e-fuels are not going to be your three dirhams petrol that you get at a local gas station. It's going to be way more because this is obviously well, a completely synthetic fuel. I've, I've got to, I just stumbled across a theory on that one. Now, yes, as, as for what we're talking about as hobbyists and people who have classic cars and, and uh, exotic or expensive sports cars, you would think, right, yes, you can pay that an awful lot. But there's another side to the e-fuel story, and that is – Shipping and aviation. Now that is going. It's a commercial decision, then, isn't it? So you're not going to have airlines like Emirates and Etihad. Etihad had actually been trialling an e-fuel in on on commercial flights. So that that's a big one. Um, they want to keep ticket prices down as much as they can. So there's going, there is going to be pressure to try and make that a competitive price. We are in the middle price. of a massive transition. Um, one thing to note about e-fuels is that they've actually already been successfully used in racing. Bentley used it on their Pikes Peak car, these yeah. exact e-fuel that you're talking about. So it does work, well, and it does work on classic cars as well. Although that's a question. Would you run an expensive classic? Like a Land Cruiser, sure, I'll take a chance and run you know, any old thing, but a Ferrari 250? I was talking to someone who was, well, yeah, I would. Yeah, because we, ran, we switched to Because you run a Ferrari 250, <laughs> Oh, it's someone else's engine, but yeah. no. Um, but uh, I, I know someone who raced a Porsche 911 GD3 in Carrera Cup, and they ran it on the e-fuel last year as to trial it out. It completed the whole season. It was competitive. It was down about ten percent on horsepower, but that comes with development. So, mm. but those yes. cars get again. A race car is a difficult use case because it gets broken down to bits after every race or every season. Yeah, regular cars have to be you know not maintained, not share the fuel. Will that, will it work out the same way? It's going to be years before we see e-fuels on the road. I don't think it's relevant. Uh, it, it'll, it'll be years, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, but in the meantime. You and I in the champ, particularly because Noel's been gallivanting around. We've been having uh, a week of catching up with friends and colleagues at many iftars and suhoors um, that have been occurring during Ramadan and, and uh, just getting the lowdown on what's been happening in the car scene. It's been great to catch up with the likes of Toyota and Volkswagen, Nissan, General Motors, Hyundai, all of you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, but we did spend a quick night at the Autodrome and we got a few laps in in the Toyota Yaris GR. What was your thoughts on that? So for those of you who don't know, the Yaris GR is basically a almost bespoke 
fork-built Yaris. It's got sort of the front end of a Corolla or the back end of the Corolla. I'm not sure. One of the two. But it's basically two cars melded together, melded together, carbon fiber roof, three-cylinder engine, incredible output, 270 horsepower from one and a bit liters, uh, six-speed manual only, uh, four-wheel drive. So it's a proper rally car. Actually, it is a rally car. It's a world rally car homologation special. And we're not getting it. But we did drive it on the track because Toyota graciously has one in for testing. They say testing. I think just to have fun with it. That's where it felt like because it was such a fun thing on the track, yeah. wasn't it? 1.6 litre, three cylinder, 0 to 100 kilometres hour, 5.2 seconds, 257 horsepower, 360 newton metres at 7,200 RPM um, and an active centre diff as well. Bundle and of fun. The only thing move. it carries over yeah. with, the, with the regular Yaris is the badge and the wing mirrors and the centre aerial at the back. Everything else is a bespoke product to this specific car. So 50,000 dirhams then? No, about 300,000. <laughs> for a year. Um, for, that, for, that, for that, Noel Ebden, you, you, you can start thinking then of, nice segue, the Porsche 911 Sport. Indeed. Almost, you're heading there. now. Well, you're, this, you're getting into the, yeah, you're in the realms, aren't you? Yeah. The, I saw the release on this. This looks good. It does, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm smitten. I do have to say. So, uh, Porsche are going to release a uh, 1,250 limited edition uh, 911 Sport Classics, and they've just basically taken. They, they've looked through their back catalogue, looked at the uh, car over mm. the last fifty odd years, and added in uh, old style rims, a ducktail spoiler, <laughs> um, and uh, basically the styling of basically from what forty, fifty years ago. Yeah. Um, but they've also added a manual gearbox. Fantastic! A six-speed manual gearbox with auto blip. Yep. So not only is it manual, but you sound like a complete driving hero whilst driving it. And Dis- I understand too, <laughs> it's the most powerful manual 911 that's been made. Yeah, twin turbo, uh, 3.7, The you know, obviously the flat six. But, Can I uh, just say, I don't get it. Like, they used to have a 911 turbo manual in like 2010, and they took it away. And now they've just brought it back, and everybody's going mad about it. I don't get it. They're like, Porsche is just the best gig in the world. Because they brought it back. They brought it back. Why not just keep (laughs) it going if people want? And why limit it? If if there's a market for it, why not speak of production? I know it's because of emissions and all of the like, and they don't want to sell too many of them because blah, blah, blah. That's opening a Pandera's box. Mm. Um, And we'll we'll, we'll have a chat about Porsche (laughs) and their model names some other day. I'll tell you that. Because right now, um, you've also been driving the Lincoln Corsair. Yes. Which is uh, not similar to the 911 Sport at all. No, slightly different. Um, I actually didn't know much about this car, to be fair. I knew about the really big Lincolns, um, but uh, got a chance to drive the Corsair, which is sort of Arcadia-sized, I suppose. it's. Um, they actually call it a small SUV, but I didn't actually find it that small. It's quite, it's quite long, actually, as a car, but it is only uh, five seats, not a seven-seater. Is it escape-based? I, it's legit. It seems I was trying to figure out what it was based on, and it doesn't look like it's based on any of the Ford models. I mean, it must be underneath, and the underpinnings must be Ford underneath. But I'm sure lashings but, of chrome and the like. Yeah, uh, it's still very American. Um, it's very nice to drive. It doesn't. It's not. It's not sporty. It's not. Um, it's not you know particularly clever or anything like that. It's a. It's a good all round five-seater suv that's going to be the ideal family vehicle it's comfortable inside it's got lovely interior big um uh, eight inch uh, tft screen inside as well um it's super comfortable the only thing i didn't like was the um, it's got a button selector for the gears um so uh, you know to put why it in reinvent to the wheel yeah. yeah i mean yeah but hey ho you know it's one only one thing and it's only a personal choice anyway but um i 
I mean, it was fine. I mean, I, I tootled around in it for three three days, and uh, yeah, it was nice. Um, yeah. But as I say, still very American. It, yeah. it, it didn't feel very. It didn't. It, it, I don't think it's going to sort of hit that European sort of market. But uh, certainly, I mean, as far if any anyone who likes their American cars would love it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, quite quite the, uh, again, at the other end of that scale, had a quick look this week at the new Honda HRV that's coming out. Mm. Have it, it hasn't actually been released yet, but uh, it is on the way. Um, they've made quite a few changes to it. It's a very it's a very popular car. It's a seller here for Honda in the Middle East, and so I spoke to Raj at Honda Middle East. He said that they've deliberately decided not to change everything about the uh, the new HRV. One thing that we have kept, which our customers really love in the outgoing HRV is our magic seat system, right? So interior space-wise, it's got you know the best in the segment, right? We've increased the space by about 35 millimeters, headroom, legroom, and knee room. So we've still managed to keep that magic seat system with a tall mode, long mode, and dive down mode. Yeah, and we had a caller in earlier asking about exactly that, about their child seats and that sort of thing. It's a, it's a magic seat that moves forward, allows you to give it a completely flat floor. Uh, so that's on the new uh, the new Honda HRV. Uh, but stick around because we've got a lot more coming up after the break. We're going to be talking to uh, uh, about cars catching on fire. It's a, uh, a very important issue as we're heading towards summer. This is Motormania, and we'll be back straight after this. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. Now, the Dubai police have reported 94 vehicle fires between January and the start of April just this year. Uh, something we really need to, uh, to to keep an eye on. Now, I'm joined now by fire prevention expert Gary Sherrington Boyd of uh, Rotorex FireTech. Good morning, Gary. Morning, mate. How are you? Very good, thank. Very good. Thanks for, uh, for for joining us on this Eid weekend. Um, Pleasure. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot of people out there in their cars heading out for for for, for picnics and the whole thing. Once uh, we get into this Eid weekend, now these these figures, uh, Gary, these are for Dubai alone. Um, is it possible there's actually more than this across the across the all of the Emirates? Um, yes, uh, I would I, I, I would say yes, um, but. Even if we're talking 10, 20% more, um, it the numbers really stack up quite well to other parts of um, the world. If you look at London, for example, um, you, London Fire Brigade were called out to over 2,500 car fires in 2020 in one year. So, you know, we're, we're, we're not doing too badly. And, and what I would say is that the work that my business does um, with RTA and Dubai Police and the Civil Defence that they're very, very proactive in trying to get a grip on the scenario because obviously where London may have the added uh, challenges of car fires due to crime, we have the challenge of car fires due to temperature um, and what could be deemed as a, a real lack of maintenance and care on of the vehicle that we drive. Yeah. Okay. So great. What then? Then what? Uh, what are the main causes then that that would cause a car to go up in flames? Well, I mean, for every one Lamborghini or Ferrari we see driving down JBR, there's probably another two or three thousand small Toyota cars that have been running for fifteen, sixteen hours, driving, you know, the the the, the blue collar manual labour. Uh, around Dubai and, and and I think that's the challenge is is the expense in maintaining a car uh, it's it, it, it's it, I wouldn't say it's high here but it's still an expense um, and 
with minimal salaries and COVID and, and uh, you know, uh, job losses in the region due to those sorts of things. You know, the people are making decisions to maybe not make sure their their oil in their cars topped up or the, uh, the you know, the water generators that working and, and that they're making sure that their car's running smoothly. And, and, and what I would also say is that whilst the numbers here are, are, aren't too bad compared to the rest of the world, if you looked at the the taxi service here, whether it be the government taxi service or private, you know, these cars are running 24 hours a day. So you could actually get in the same car in the morning and at night with two different drivers because it's the driver that's on shift work, but the taxi that runs 24 seven. And that puts a real strain on an engine. It puts a real strain on, uh, you know, just something simple like, leaking oil mm. um that, that's dripping on an uber hot surface because the engine's been running for 15 hours um uh, so i think you know the government does really well trying to help um but th- there was an interesting study i i understand that you know it's uh, a legal requirement in the uae that every car has a fire extinguisher in the car um which is brilliant which is great, great. idea yeah but uh, interestingly enough, there was a study done in the US uh, a couple of years ago, and I, and I can't remember the numbers, but the numbers of people that A, had a fire extinguisher in their car, but B, didn't know how to use it was incredible. Mm. Incredible. I mean, it was literally 75% of people that had fire extinguishers in their car, A, didn't know where they were, and B, didn't know how to use them. Or, or um, maybe not reading the gauge and knowing that it's it's uh, it's lost pressure, for instance. Exactly, exactly. And that's the great thing about a little fire extinguisher. And to be honest with you, you don't need to go out and buy a massive, you know, nine kilogram powder system and, and, and lose a ton of boot space. You just really, I mean, Ace Hardware sell them, I think, yeah. and you can buy them at any petrol station. Just a little two kilogram portable little fire extinguisher does the job. Um, and mm. even if it doesn't put the fire out fully, it will help keep it under control until the fire brigade get there and obviously do what they need to do. What, um, um, what I mean, if, if you see a car on fire, it's, it's a fairly distressing thing for a lot of people. And, and particularly if you're right next to it, you know, it tends to coax people into saying, oh, I must do something. Um, but you need to tread carefully, obviously, because you're on fire. What are the things that you do's and don'ts in terms of if you see a car on fire? Because I know straight away one of the things people go, oh, lift the hood and put the fire out. But, of course, that just fans the flames. What, what are some of the tips if you see – if a motorist see, or a, a pedestrian sees a, car's on, uh, sees a car on fire? Uh, in all honesty, I, I think you see an actual car and you're seeing actual flame. Then just step back and make sure everything around the car is nowhere to you – know, move cars out the way if you can if you're actually seeing a, a, a mm. car in – as much distress that you're actually seeing flame uh, because then you're at a position where obviously anything can happen because if it's on flames it is you know getting to that fuel tank is 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 quite scary and it Mm. would be it would be unfair to expect someone from the general public to to run in with a little fire extinguisher and try and control that but one of the things you can find with a car engine fire is that you do get a lot of scary smoke and a lot of scary uh, steam before the flame kicks in. Yeah. So I think if you're in a position and you're seeing a lot of black smoke, but yeah. you're not seeing any flame. I think, yeah, get get in there, 
get your fire extinguisher, yeah. try and get under the car, try and get under the car to start with. And then if you can, and you are in a position to be able to get in the car or if you're the driver yourself, you know, just pop that, pop that bonnet as quickly as you can and just mm. douse that whole area with as much powder as you can or whatever yeah. extinguisher you've got. Um, if you haven't got one and if you're nervous and you don't know what to do, my advice would be would just be step back because you're just putting yourself in danger. Um, yeah. And what I would say, the response times here with Dubai Civil Defence, well, UAE Civil Defence across across the whole Emirates, um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good uh, yeah. response time wise. So uh, I think those numbers are pretty good. That, that and uh, you know, fair play to the national and fair play to the government for allowing those figures to to be shown because, you know, there's been a for many years in fire suppression in this part of the world. No, you know, no news is good news. So yeah. the fact that they're you know promoting these numbers to try and bring some kind of you know. Um, notice to it uh, i think it's, it's it's quite brave of them to be honest yeah i'm, I'm going to bring uh noel evden and imchan jato into into this one because it's it, fire is, is a traumatizing thing for a lot mm. of a lot of people have you guys dealt with a car on fire many of professional drivers in an extent to in terms of what you do is, is it something you've experienced yeah i mean i as as you well know I, my uh, my race car caught fire mid-race uh, mm. but i but then that was fitted with a fire suppression system anyway so you you, you pull pull all the levers and get out and uh, and it put the fire out straight away um, one of the things i was going to add was that i believe the that the uae has made it a requirement that the uh, fire extinguisher has to be within arm's reach of the driver which is why you'll find them all dent now in the footwell um that's brilliant because having one in the boot is actually almost useless. Which is something yeah. I think might be a, a rule that's similar to Germany. If you find yeah. all the German cars are fire extinguishers are under the yeah, front passenger seat, aren't they? Or if it's in the boot and you've got to get mm. out the car, go get it, come back in. Quite often, car fires, um, uh, they, they, they catch very, very quickly. Once they get going, that's it. I mean, as already been said, you know, if, if, if you can see flames, it's probably too late. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Um, yeah, getting to the boot, getting it out of the box, yeah. figuring out the instructions. By then, it's probably too late, anyway. The so. Shan, have you have you have you experienced the evil of fire? I have not been as lucky as Noel to see a fire and heroically <laughs> put it out on a racetrack. <laughs> However, I can a completely different scenario, but almost quite funny. I once drove a, and if we're talking about the age of the cars, what I was very interested as well to what the age of the cars that are catching fire because I was driving a brand new uh, Range Rover Sport, and I was driving it quite quickly. I won't say where, but the brakes caught fire. Mm. And I knew this not because there was there was no fire, but the smoke was coming through the AC vents. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was a very interesting uh, routing of the thing. So basically, I pulled over the side of the road and saw the brakes were literally billowing smoke. Mm. So yeah, Gary, as, as you're saying, though, in terms of big billowing smoke, I had a situation. I had a classic car that burnt to the ground when I was driving it, um, and. I got to tell you, Gary, the the speed in which the smoke engulfed the car was frightening. I I noticed some 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 whispers of uh, I, saw, I noticed paint bubbling on the hood. Then I saw flames getting out. By the time I sort of climbed out of the car, the flames had come into the cabin. I had just enough time to get my phone and my wallet out. By which stage the cabin was full of black smoke, and I couldn't see a thing inside it. So, what you say about thick black smoke? Incredibly relevant. Yeah, definitely, and 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 and. 
just going back to what your colleague was just saying, you know, that the fallacy that it's only old cars that catch fire it isn't true. It, imagine you move into a brand new house. You're going to have a very long snag list of stuff that needs to be fixed before you can move in properly because it's never been lived in. It's never been used. A brand new car is exactly the same. You know, until a car's done a good 20, 30,000 kilometers, that's when it sort of starts coming into its own and any maybe little hiccups or uh, electrical shorts or any little leaks get ironed out so yeah let's not assume just because it's uh, a, a 15 year old toyota that's done 200,000 kilometers it, you know everybody has to be really vigilant and um you know and going back to uh, uh, earlier with regard you know in a, in, a, in an ideal world we would all love to have a fire suppression system that um puts the fire out without any human interaction that would be great. I mean, um, Dubai Civil Defence working with the Ministry of Interior at the moment, putting together uh, legislation around school buses and um, public buses that they all have to have by law automatic fire suppression, which is what, what my business does. Mm. Um, so I work quite closely with them and Ashok Leyland in Rasa. Came uh, to make sure these suppression systems are, are fitted on the buses before they even hit the streets. Um, it would be lovely to be able to do the same thing with cars. Um, obviously, from a business aspect, it would be great. And obviously, from a public aspect, it would be even better. It's just that the cost of the system versus the cost of the car plus the installation time, the maintenance and the servicing of it um, would make it challenging. And and I think, you know, your, your old sports cars and your, and your high end, you know, when you've got an asset like a Ferrari or a Rolls Royce, it's maybe more feasible. Um, but uh, it would be great to have that automatic fire suppression in, in every vehicle because it's literally, yeah. it's automatic. You don't even have to press a button. There's a detection tube in the engine. The detection tube detects the heat from the fire, from the flame, and then sets the system off and out comes all the powder to put the fire out within seconds of a flame even you know amazing. being created in the, in the engine it, it's amazing it really is but yeah it's just it's just uh, I, I know that they're, they're trialing some things now with rta taxis because i think you'll find a lot um not actually that's not kind not a lot but a majority of 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 engine fires around the sort of taxis just because they're just they're run for so long going back to my original point of 24 7 engine being run well that, that that's the thing and, that, and that's a question i want to, want to bring to you in terms of uh advice you could give to motorists this summer now it, because as you say it's not necessarily it's it's not always the fault of a of a faulty car it's not always the, or whether it's a new car or it's an old car but if the car is out there, particularly in summer, it's doing a lot of miles, uh, the exhaust gets very hot, the catalytic converter gets extremely hot. Now, if you're going off-roading, you park the car on a bit of uh, a bit of grass, that's a very easy way for the car to catch fire. Um, so, you know, that that's sort of one way to avoid making sure you don't park over grass on a, if, you, if, you, if the exhaust system's hot after a long drive. What, what's some other advice that you could give motorists over the coming months? I'd say the summer months, make sure that you only maybe fill your tank up 80% rather than a full tank. Mm. Um, because, you know, with, 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 with petrols and diesels, they do expand and contract in heat. Um, and it's good to have a little bit of air in there. Um, I think it just make sure that your servicing's up to date. Make sure your oil's up to date and full. Uh, make sure that, you know, the, the, the water should be where it should be within the engine. Um, uh, also make sure you buy some screen covers for the, you know, the front of the car, because, you know, you do get, you do get a lot of car fires that start because of, um, 
items that are in the car that catch fire because they've been sat out in direct sunlight for six hours. You know, I've heard stories in the UAE already of hand sanitizers exploding in cars because yeah. of the heat. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know it's difficult to do that in this part of the world, but if you can ever find a little spot of shade to park, then pick that over anywhere else. Um, because it, it does get say, to like you know seventy plus degrees inside the the in cabin temperature of a car, and that can yeah. cause things to you know as I say expand yeah. and, and pop. Well, I had yep. a um, I had a, I don't smoke, but a friend of mine who smoked um, his cheap um, you know the cigarette lighters that you buy yeah. at the counter fell yeah. out fell out of his pocket onto the back seat of my car, and uh, it exploded. I was driving down the road, and the um, uh, up long after he'd got out and the car had been parked in the sun and the uh, cigarette lighter exploded in the back of the car. Luckily, nothing happened, but uh, yeah, yeah it, that's how hot the interiors get of a car. So you just don't realise, yeah, do you? Yeah. Well, um, uh, Gary Sherrington Boyd, thank you so much for uh, for, for giving us your advice. Uh, of course, you're as you say, you're a fire prevention expert at uh, Rotorex FireTech, and um, I wish you a, a great uh, Eid weekend. Stay safe. You too, guys. Thank and you very much. Thanks for your time. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. Yes, good morning. Welcome back to Motor Mania. Eid Mubarak for all those who are going to celebrate Eid over the coming few days. I'm Damien Reed, and uh, this is Motor Mania with you through until midday. And as you may have noticed, uh, speaking of Ramadan, there have been offers for cars. They've been a little bit harder to come by this year compared to previous years. Uh, there have been no billboards with the big attractive markdowns, buy one, get one free, or get you know get 0% finance on something else, or value-added stuff. Um Salespeople aren't following around as much as they have been, you know, reciting everything and trying to entice you in. Um, it's just something that I, I clicked on. That there's traffic in showrooms, but the offers haven't been there. What, what have you guys noticed? Have you noticed well, any sort of great Ramadan deals? The, the traffic in the showrooms is people, not cars. This is the problem. Yeah, um, there are no cars to buy. Yeah, there aren't any cars. If you go to the showrooms, yeah. the Kia showrooms, particularly egregious offender, they are lovely people, but they've got nothing to sell. It's massive spaces. All the showrooms, yeah. you'll know there's a problem when there's lots of space to walk around and ogle at cars. Hmm. I did notice on Shakeside Road yeah. that yeah. a couple of showrooms on a couple of big importers on Shakeside Road, the official ones. They've found something in the cupboard, or they've brought maybe some executives' cars on them because suddenly stock has appeared in the show. It's not for sale, well, but, but the shock that previously the big spaces mm. have have been shrunken because stock has appeared in the showroom for for this month. They've actually been the dealers have been buying back cars they've sold from customers. Yeah. Uh, saying, phoning up customers from six months ago saying, you don't fancy selling your or, car, do you? Or withholding and, delivery yeah. for a yeah, sweetener. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because they've had to, because you can't have an empty car showroom. You can't have a, 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 no. a, a main dealer brand with an empty showroom. I mean, does, does, it, it well, One of the tricks from yeah. one of the car dealers in Australia, if I can say that, um, that he told me was that they uh, they offered a couple of cars for giveaways, for prizes, for raffles, that sort of thing. Mm. Then when the owner came to collect, they said, look, Take this other car that will get you by for a few months, but we really want to keep the hero car in the showroom for another no, another three months. You know, beautiful convertible or whatever, um, and that's how they kept the kept the cars in there. Wow. So um, now, as I said before, I spoke, I had a look at the Honda HRV, and uh, I caught up with Rhett Maxwell, who's the franchise director at Trading Enterprises at Honda UAE, and he said, "Look, they really didn't need to come up with any promotions for uh, for this Ramadan period. Let's have a listen to uh, to, to Rhett Maxwell." You're finding people are looking for a car rather than looking for an offer. Mm. Uh, so, so quite often, 
strangely enough, the first question is, what do you have available? Whereas in the past, it was, what's the offer? I think people now want a car. Cars, most importantly, offer a secondary. Given the timing of Ramadan over the last few years, it's often been an opportunity to maybe sort of sell, put offers on slightly older cars or you know brand new cars, maybe last year's model, and you used it to sort of clear the decks, as most retailers do. But now everything in a Honda showroom is a 22 model. There aren't 21 models. The offers aren't there, but I think in the region people prefer a 22 model with, with no enticements, but available take away that than a 21 model with a, something on the bonnet to entice them to take it rather than the latest. You know, I, I think what COVID has done is everybody wants the latest phones, the latest laptops, the latest cars. The offer is is a bonus, but it's secondary. I'm not sure whether it's my optimistic eyes were deceiving me, but driving up Sheikh Zayed Road the other day, looking at the, the big name uh, showrooms as well as where you guys are located at Festival City, and to me it looked like that there seem to be more stock trickling through into some of these showrooms. Where do you see the situation maybe in six months' time? Is that the case? Is there any kind of light at the end of the tunnel? That, that, that now, because obviously some manufacturers are going, right, we're going to make our own microchips. We're not going to go through third-party suppliers. Is there any kind of light at the end of the tunnel that the bottleneck might be starting to ease? I think there is. Yeah, it certainly can't go on like it is, but I equally don't think it's going to return to how it used to be. You know, I think manufacturers used to have fields full and, and car parks full of cars, and they would perhaps you know, be doing everything they can to move them. I think they've been forced to realise that they needn't revert back to that. So I don't think it's going to go back to you know, what it was some of us old guys could, can remember, we'd see, you know, shipping ports full of cars that were unsold and, and all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, I don't think it's going to get to that. It's going to get better than it is, probably not in the next six months, but after that. But I think people will start getting used to some kind of wait for a car, not necessarily six months wait, but mm-hmm. equally not necessarily come in in the morning and take it home in the evening. You know, I think we need to put the processes in place and get the mindset where perhaps you, you, you might wait a month or six weeks um, to get what you want rather than just picking something um, out of a stockyard. So I think that's how it's going to change. Yeah. And, and how has that uh, impacted on the, 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 the used car market or the, or the, yeah. the low kilometre used car market, for, for instance? Has that uh, obviously driven up demand and, and, and retained values of these cars as well? Yeah, it's perhaps been an unintended consequence of it. The used car market is absolutely flying at the moment. Mm. Um, and again, in the region, perhaps everybody was buying new, but now the shortage of new cars, once they have a in the bonnet to buy a car, you know, if it's not a new, do you have a demo? Do you have a nearly new I can buy? So it, it, that's changing behavior. But absolutely, I think a shortage of anything, whether it's bananas or gold or, or anything, pushes up the, the prices. The good side of it is, I, I think, trade-in prices will continue to climb and people will be seeing trading prices higher than they've ever seen before. Yeah, so that was Rhett Maxwell, the Franchise Director at Trading Enterprises at uh, Honda UAE. Um, interesting, though, that yeah, he was saying what we've pretty much been saying, that, you know, going back, we've all been here now long enough, going back decades ago, you used to get cash off the deal, but then it became value-added, and now that's kind of trickled out altogether. I don't think it's coming back for a good long time. Uh, I think I agree with what he's saying in that things are getting better, but not this year. 
probably yeah. next year. And if you're expecting prices to go up, it's just not. Uh, sorry, if stock to go up, it's not going to happen. Mm. And interesting too, he's talking about like the days of big stockyards. In his mind, are kind of gone. The, the big real estate of of acres and acres of cars, it's sort of coming in on demand, which means you have to wait a little longer yeah. to get what you need. But it was probably unsustainable anyway. I mean, um, in the old days, I remember car brands had four models. Mm. Now yes. car brands have yeah. 12, 15 models. A niche models. within a niche. Yeah, yes. and, uh, and then they create an A, exactly. And there's another <laughs> niche within that one. So, you know, it, it's an un- unsustainable situation. To I mean, okay, your, your big movers, your Hilux pickups and stuff like that, you'll probably still see fields of them sitting in Jebel Ali because, you know, they're <laughs> needed. Commercial vehicles, yeah, yeah they need to get different. And yeah. they're consumables, essentially yeah, exactly, consumables. Exactly. And they're yeah. work vehicles as well. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 yeah. The, they're the fridge of the car world, aren't they? Whereas exactly. the, um, you but, know, yeah, especially you know, having BMWs and, uh, you know, Mercedes, etc., you know, Audis, whatever, sitting around is yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. Have, so, you, have you guys ever bought a car during Ramadan? Uh, no, because I only buy old cars and, <laughs> and bad ideas. <laughs> Actually, I bought my Wrangler during Ramadan and I did get something free thrown. It might have been like a, a, a grill or something. Who knows? But definitely. <laughs> Maybe fire extinguisher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, thank you so much, uh, guys. Um, it's That's it for Motormania for this week. I'm Damien Reed. Big thanks to Imad Hamad of Car Switch. Shan, thank you so much. Noel Ebden, thank you so much. Gary Sherrington Boyd and the, all the crew from the Honda Middle East team chipping in for this one. Thank you all. Fix it or flip it. Yeah, that's right. For those who are tuning in for the first time, well, here's how it works. Tell us about your car and we'll tell you how much it is worth. We'll even throw in some car advice along the way. And uh, But we need the details from you. We need as many details as we can. We need the make. We need the model. We need the year. We need the colour. We need the mileage. Any history you might have, any little quirks that you might know about the car, let us know. And uh, you can send them, as I said, to 4001 or via the ARN Play app. And uh, we do this every week. And this week, it's pretty special because, well, we've got a live guest in the studio this week and uh, this weekend. And uh, he's here and he's ready to price your cars and give you some sensible car advice. And we're joined now by Imad Hamad, the founder of CarSwitch.com. Good morning, Imad. Thanks very much for having me. Good morning, everybody. Great to have you in the studio. My and, pleasure. Uh, yeah, it's it's always a it's always a a, a very busy, lively <laughs> section of this show. <laughs> yeah. But your team also has been very very busy in the last uh, few months. Our secondhand cars now they're up in prices. There's a lot of people talking about thinking of selling their cars um, to, to to make a bit of cash as well. What what sort of can you give me an idea on sort of numbers in terms of uh, what sort of cars that, you, that you've turned over at Car Switch recently? Yeah, no, it's been a f- fantastic few months. I think uh, for the used car market, that is. I think generally coming out of the COVID pandemic, um, of course, you go through different cycles in the in the market, right? And you had at least at the early onset of it probably a flood of used car supply with a lot of people selling their vehicles, perhaps leaving the country, and so on and so forth. And as soon as that cleared, it also created a gap, essentially. And as I'm sure everybody's aware, new car supply constraints have been uh, quite frequent and quite bad at the moment. And accordingly, there's quite a gap. And in the last six months or so, it really is a seller's market for used cars at the moment. Uh, there's less supply available. There's less options available for new cars. There's long wait lists. Um, prices are going up and so on and so forth. So we've seen uh, volumes in used car uh, increase quite dramatically. So we're up, the whole business is up about 50% over the last six months. Mm. So it's quite a 
it's quite a vertical uplift in the used car space in the UAE. We also just, for us, launched uh, in Saudi Arabia about eight months ago, and we're seeing a very similar dynamic there, which Fan- is spiraling. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do, do you find in, in, in this in this market that you can sell the, the dream scenario? Can you sell the car for more than it's worth? <laughs> well, I, th- I guess, uh, well, probably a, a different way of phrasing it is, can you sell it for more than what you bought it for? Yes. Because I guess yes. what it's worth could always uh, be a different thing. There are certainly instances where that happens. Yeah. Now, how common it is, I think there's, uh, we'll have to get into a bit more detail, right? Because there's a lot of luck at play in, you know, the specific model. Yeah. Uh, what the new car's supply is for that specific model. And then, of course, luck. Yeah. Do you come across a buyer that really just wants this car and this color, this mileage, and is willing to dish out a bit more for it. Yeah, the reason I ask that is because we've got our first caller on the line now. We've got uh, uh, Abu Chowdhury, who lives in Dubai. Abu has used car switch before and oh, okay. uh, now wants to see if he can sell his other vehicle um, on, on the platform. Good morning, Abu. Very good morning, Damien. So you've uh, what, what car did you use to sell through, uh, through car switch, Abu? Yes, sir. Uh, I had a 2016 uh, Porsche Cayman GTS, and uh, I listed with car switch. Uh, I took my time, so it took about five to six months because I was quite inflexible on the price that I wanted. But eventually, car switch pulled it off. You know, they managed to get me a beautiful client, and then you know it was smooth uh, transactions, and I was very happy overall. And I sold it for what I wanted. That's great to hear, Abu. Thank you very much. You know, it would have went quite differently had you not had a great experience. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> what, what, what did you, uh, what, what tempted you, Abu? What, what are you driving now? Uh, so I have uh, actually a few cars. Uh, so I, I have a G-Class, G500. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. I bought a, I've got a, a Bravo's uh, one of 200, uh, 2016 model Smart. Uh, those are very uh, limited edition. I drive, my daily car is uh, Audi A6 uh, from 2013. I still keep it. I'm very happy. And, uh, yeah, often I see my wife's car as well sometimes. Uh, it's an Audi Q5. Beautiful, beautiful. So you, you obviously, you, you like your cars. That's, uh, that's, that's very clear. I love uh, cars, yeah. <laughs> uh, are you thinking of selling any at the moment that, uh, that maybe as, as, we're, as we're, we're, we're just uh, talking about with Imad that there's, now's a good time? You know, you can, you can make a bit of money if you, uh, if you have the right car to sell. Sure, sure. Hi, Imad. Good morning. Morning. Yes. Uh, so first of all, thank you for clearing me off a couple of years ago with my Porsche. I was very happy with you. <laughs> our, our pleasure. And uh, yeah, so I, I was thinking about actually offloading my G500. And reason for that was that, uh, you know, I always had the curiosity how the G-Class drove. I had it for about now seven to eight months and uh, I'm pretty happy with the car. Uh, I can keep it, but the way I see the secondhand car market going up, I think the best value that I can get is to upload the car now is a 2021 model. So if I wait for one more year, probably the depreciation on the car would be a lot more. So that's the, that's the motivation to uh, let it go this year and make some money perhaps. Look, to be honest, it's very sound, uh, very sound thinking. Look, the new car supply is, is very, very limited at the moment. And with some of these luxury cars, uh, it's really hit or miss. The G500 is a super popular car uh, in the UAE. Uh, as you suggested, new cars do depreciate quite significantly, especially in the early years. And so 
from the sounds of it, you have a few a few cars lying around in your garage, right? So it's not that you absolutely need it at the moment. If you wanted uh, to look at it from a pure financial perspective, it would probably make sense uh, to to flip it. And of course, you can always test the market, see what you can get for it, and if it makes sense, you sell. If not, you just hang on to it. Imad, a question for you, uh, if I may. Uh, so it's a 2021 model. It's beautiful blue uh, color, uh, and it's got a white interior. Really, really nice car. And what I see on Dubizo, what I see on Car Switch, right now the car is somewhere between 700 to 780 if you were to get one with the GCC specs. So what do you think? It's got about 10K mileage on it. What do you think a fair value for something like that? Look, to be perfectly honest, with, with these cars that are, um, you know, the luxury vehicles that really need to fit uh, a certain person's heart to go for them, it's very difficult to price them, especially because it'll come down to that color, that availability of supply, and so on. And so if you do find the right match, you'll always be able to get more. If you end up in a rush, you always end up with a lot less because just fewer people are in the market to buy them. I think if you ask me outside in, a 2021 G500, ignoring, you know, supply and the specific colors and so on and so forth. I would, I would say the fair value for this car is somewhere in the probably 680 range, maybe 700. Uh, having said that, I think given the current context and the current climate, they're probably uh, the sellers that you're seeing listing their vehicles are probably listing them for a bit higher, trying to get more. And then do keep in mind, people often negotiate, right? So what the cars are listed for is not necessarily what they're actually selling for. So if they're being listed for seven fifty, they're probably selling for seven twenty, seven thirty. How does how does cool. that sound? That sounds reasonable. That sounds actually more than what I thought that I should be asking for. I'm a reasonable guy, mm. uh, and I would I would probably go ahead uh, and you know get the car uploaded on the car switch because I was really happy with the services. One one good, uh, I don't know how you take it, Imad, as a comment. So no, when when in the past, uh, you know, it was a fixed fee of, I think, I don't remember, 3,500 terms or something. And, and nowadays it's a 2% of the uh, car sale value. Mm -hmm. And you do active marketing and all of those things, you guys do it. So, uh, you know, I'm happy with that. It just, uh, it's a change from the past to what we are used to and now. And as long as my car sells, I'm happy. So, so yeah, are you we'll happier right or less happy with the percentage? This is really useful well, feedback. Honestly, so sorry. <laughs> honestly, it, it's, it's relative, right? Because if, if as, as long as my car sells for the price that I want, if uh, I have to put that on the top, the 2%, and at the end of the day, you're in business, you have to make your money too. So I, I'm okay with that. You know, usually it depends on how quickly I want to sell the car. I'm pretty relaxed. So I just want to get the, the right price for it. And I don't mind waiting for it. Not, not beyond 2022, obviously, but a couple of months. Yeah, sure. Brilliant. But well, I hope that's, uh, that, that's helped uh, answer some questions for Abu. And um, yeah, good luck with, uh, with your, your future car hunting, buying and selling. Thank you, Damien. Great. Thank, thanks very much. That's, uh, that was uh, Abu Chowdhury asking you for advice. Send us a text to 4001 or via the ARN Play app. You can uh, get in touch with us that way as well. A few people have got in touch with us uh, via text message. And uh, we've got here one, uh, Imad uh, Shabaz has texted us. He's got a, a Hyundai Santa Fe 2014. 
Um, he's done about 115,000 kilometres. Now, the Santa Fe comes out with a couple of engine options. He's got the 3.5-litre mm. V6, which is which is the premium one, and it's also the all-wheel drive version. So, uh, you know, it's um, – well, they're, sorry, they're all all-wheel drive, aren't they? But, um, but yeah, so he's looking to, to get some figures on that one. Now, it's – the thing is with 100 and – 94,000 uh, sorry 115,000 kilometers uh, that's pretty much that's that's not too bad that's un- under under market at the moment yeah it's actually very good I think I mean the vehicle is essentially seven eight years old yeah you typically drive about 20 25,000 kilometers a year right so you'd expect this car to be at 150 160 so I yeah. think it's, it has good mileage on it for sure any ideas on prices for that that style of vehicle it was a 2014 Santa Fe yeah yeah okay. yeah so I think if I'm not mistaken, there's two, there's the Grand Santa Fe and the regular. Um, and I appreciate he has the, the V6, so the, the higher engine. Mm. I'd say the regular Santa Fe is probably, so this is the GLS, uh, it's probably about 35 to 40K for a 2014 at the moment. Yeah. It's in that range. Yeah. The Grand Santa Fe will be a little bit more, so maybe 40 to 43 Okay. So it depends on which of the two versions um, he has, but yeah, it'll be somewhere in that range. Yeah, and of course, if you go through, uh, 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 if you do go to trade in, you expect a little less than that. The dealer will pay yeah, you yeah. probably about four or five thousand dirhams less, I guessing, um, out of that one. No, of course. So, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the dealerships will need to make their margins, right? So they'll they'll be building in uh, a bit of a premium. Yep. I think ultimately, if you have the time, uh, at least my, and I'm obviously biased, but my perspective would be always. Uh, sell it peer to peer. Always yeah. sell it privately. You get better value in that way if you have the time for it. Fix it or flip it. Yep, this is how it works. Tell us about your car and we're going to tell you how much you can sell it for or how much you maybe you just want to know what you've got sitting in the garage, how much it's worth. And it's easy. All we need is we just send as more details as you've got the better it makes us to to value your car. But certainly the make, the model, the year, the mileage and the colour, very important for that one. Send them to 4001 or via the ARM Play app or give us a call, 871-5500. And uh, Sahib has done exactly that. Sahib is on the line. Good morning, Sahib. You have uh, a very popular car in the Middle East, I believe. Yeah, in fact, just uh, evaluating what's, uh, what can be done about it. I have another gas guzzler, in fact, a Super Safari, so I thought I'll get, get, get this one out of the garage. So you've, it's, it's a Jeep Wrangler. Uh, 20, Jeep Wrangler, yeah. 2012 model, I believe. Yeah. That's correct, yeah. And uh, how many kilometers have you done on this car? As I speak, 195,000. Okay. Okay, so you've got. Um, have you made? Because obviously, a very popular car to be modifying. What have you made any modifications to it, or is it pretty much off the rack? No, it, uh, a few modifications like uh, the fenders mm-hmm. and um, the front bumper is uh, JK. Uh, sorry, JL, not JK. So it's just a full a full bumper. It's a JL model. So, and uh, I have an Android uh, this uh, radio. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty uh, much it. Is it the two door or the four door? It's a two door. All right. Yeah. It's out for an adventure. Almost back. Yeah. Right. What do you think, man? That uh, sounds like a fun car. It's a super popular car here, and it is indeed a very fun one. Particularly the two door. If um, yeah, if you're out off roading, etc. I'd say for the 2012. Um, Again, you know, with this car, there's all these modifications. So the the range is a range, frankly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would estimate it at probably 
probably be able to sell it for somewhere in the 45, maybe up to 55K uh, range. Uh, probably the higher end there would be, need to be you know, in, in very good condition with a lot of modifications. Uh, the 45K would probably be the safe, safer bet, would be my estimate. Is that yep. what you had in mind, or were you thinking something? Yeah, different? exactly the, what I had in mind. In fact, I was thinking a little bit one thousand dirhams less. In fact, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, yeah. All, these are ranges, More so or less. please yeah. <laughs> yeah, take right. them with a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, very good. Right. That's Sound, good enough. Thank you so sounds much. Sounds like you valued you. it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I, yeah. I was a thousand yeah, dirhams exactly. off, so I, I don't know. <laughs> good. <laughs> good. Good luck with that one, Sahib. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Sunny. Now, Sunny has, uh, uh, again, it's another car that's popular here over the years. It's one that's, um, that, that a lot of people um, have endeared to. It's a, it's a Nissan Patrol Super Safari. It's a 2005 model, and he's covered 200,000 kilometres. He's the first owner. How about that? It's always wow. been maintained by the agency. I remember driving this. I think this... No, it's not the GQ. It's after that, isn't it? Um, but uh, but yeah, and and such a popular car here in the desert, the Super Safari. Isn't I'm it? curious to know why he's selling it. You know, it's been well, maybe it's, it has been about 17, 18 years. So perhaps the well, day has come. Yeah, well, he's he's texting saying, "Look, I, I don't really want to sell it because it is very good." Yeah. But as you say, the time has come. He, there's there's some good stuff that's appearing on the market now, and he's looking at either a Jeep Rubicon mm-hmm. um, or the Ford Bronco, the Badland. Yeah, the Ford which Bronco is just beautiful. hitting the market. I think that one's hard to pick up right now because I'd imagine there'd be quite significant wait lists on it. Uh, very, very long. And uh, you're looking at around about, well, the Badlands is, so there's there's four models in the Bronco range. There's and a typical uh, American manufacturer. They've given names rather than GL, GLX, that <laughs> right. sort of thing. They've got the Big Bend. They've got the Outer Banks. Uh, they got the Wild Track, and they got the Badlands, and these are all named after trails in Nevada, yeah, which is fantastic, fantastic stuff. So yeah. it's the it's the top model, which I think is pushing nearly three hundred thousand. Yeah. So uh, on the so you probably uh, you know the used market for these is quite big because they're hard to get your hands on, and mm-hmm. I, I agree it's in you know I, I don't know the specific trims, but it'll be from two fifty to three hundred plus. Yeah. What, what about though for for the the Super Safari? I know if, I mean it's a, it's getting on now two thousand five, but still a lot of demand for it. There's certainly a lot of demand for this car uh, as a model. Um, I think the 2005 makes it tricky. So in yeah. the UAE, you generally don't see cars uh, that are much older than 12, 13 years. They do exist, of course, but uh, they often uh, get exported to other markets because their value in other markets is higher than it is here. So I think with this car, it, it is a bit tricky. If you could uh, find an export sale, which is obviously difficult for a private individual, um, you'd probably get more for it. I think if you were to sell it in the UAE, not to a dealer, um, you'd probably be looking at maybe 20, 25K, uh, because again, it is a much older model. Mm. If it was, um, yeah, and the mileage isn't too bad, but it's still high, right? And it is still yeah. 200K. So Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I'd say probably in the 25K range. Okay, okay. Well, that, that's... That's uh, that's that's not that's not too bad. I mean, you know, again, it's it's one of those things things that does um, uh, it gets a lot of interest. Yeah, no, it's People, a vintage. They're, they're they're now tw- at the stage of restoring them and and that sort of thing. So yeah, even the the twenty five k is frankly taking into account that it is a it is a almost a collectible right? yeah. <laughs> to a certain extent. Um, if it wasn't for that, it it would be difficult to sell at all. I think in this market. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you totally. Um, I now have Aiden on the line now, Aiden. 
is on the line. Hi, uh, Aiden, morning. Good morning, Aidan. Now, you've got something completely the opposite of what we've just been talking about. You have a Ferrari 458 Italia. Tell us all about this one. Uh, yeah, I got it a few years ago, used, um, probably done about 10K on it. Uh, I bought it because it was a last V8, um, but recently been wondering if I should keep or upgrade, uh, what, I say upgrade, move on to a 720S mm. or a Pista. So I'm, I'm not sure if I should keep the Italia. What? If it's the last V8, nicely aspirated. Yeah, what What year is your, your car, Aiden? 2000, 2013. 2013. 20, yeah, it's under warranty service from Altair. I've looked, looked after it. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. It is definitely one of the. It, it, it's a keeper, isn't it, Imad? I mean, you know, because Ferrari have moved to turbocharging, and this is the last normally aspirated Ferrari. Um, it's a good one you've got, Aidan. I have to say. But uh, have you have you dealt with many Ferraris coming through, Imad, with with through car switch? So we have had a few, I wouldn't say too many, to be honest. I mean, obviously, these are uh, special vehicles, yeah. right? And they yeah. are absolutely gorgeous. I think still having the warranty on it is a huge plus, particularly for these vehicles. Yeah. I wasn't sure, is it a convertible or the coupe? No, the coupe. The coupe, yeah. So, yeah, I... Yeah, it's two-tone. It's got a black black roof, uh, factory black roof. All right. It's called the LaFerrari Bridge. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So yeah. These, uh, for, from my perspective, these are difficult to price, right? They, uh, there isn't a buyer every day for it, um, and it is absolutely uh, an iconic car. So when you do find the right buyer, they'll, especially if it's the car, the color, the modifications that fit their heart, they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll be willing to dish out for it. Uh, on this one, I'm going to rely on our online valuator, which just has systematic prices. Uh, so, Adrian, maybe you help me out on this one as well. Our, my system says this is will be in the 350k range. Um, that's not a very dependable figure because we don't sell very high yeah. volumes of this vehicle, and so we don't have enough data around it. What, I, I, what would you say, or what did you buy it for? What What are you seeing? Uh, me, I bought it for 550, and I'm currently seeing. In the six hundreds, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's hard with these cars. Like the specific, you know, the the specific trim, the specific year, the really collectibles. I wouldn't. Yeah. I would throw out our system value on this car. I, I think I didn't. Out. Yeah, I think I think I didn't. You know, to be honest with the market at the moment, the way it is, um, that yeah, you could you could you could ask a bit of a premium on that. As I said, it's it's, it's the last of the V 8s ten thousand kilometers yeah. too. I mean, uh, that's that's. That's very low kilometers, even even by Ferrari standards. If we're talking a, a 2013 model car, yeah. Um, now, in terms of what you the options there, uh, I I would be um, I would be looking at uh, I'd be looking to hang on to it um, because the, the McLaren 720s, yes, it's it's good, but uh, but but then the um, uh, it's certainly certainly better than the new Ferraris, so. I'd, I'd be hanging yeah. on to it. That would be my that would be my advice. All right, thank you very much. Fix it or flip it. So tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it is worth and uh, what we need to make this equation happen is we need the make, the model, the year. The colour is very important, as is the mileage, of course. You can send them to 4001 or via the ARN Play app. And, of course, I'm not doing it all alone. I'm joined by Imad Hamad, who is the founder of carswitch.com. And, uh, Imad, the lines are starting to uh, to pick up now. Excellent. We've got... Uh, 
We got Meris on the line, and uh, good morning, Meris. You have a Hi, uh, good morning a VW Golf, I believe. Tell us a little bit more about this one. Yeah, hi, good morning, uh, guys. It's uh, it's been my old trusted VW that have served me really well. Uh, obviously, it has a lot of mileage on it because I was living in Dubai and working in Abu Dhabi. So, oh, yeah, like uh, the commuter kilometers daily. Yeah. <laughs> So a lot, yeah, a, a lot of highway miles in, but, but yeah, of course. So was wondering now, like I'm very close to my work, so maybe I should retire it. <laughs> <laughs> what year model is it, and what is the mileage? Uh, 2010 Volkswagen TSI. So it's a 1.4 liter TSI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two turbocharged engine. Now you've That's got around like 330. I'm, I'm, I don't drive it as much. But so, but it has no, three thirty thousand kilometers on it. Yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah, almost made made it to the moon. VWs <laughs> <laughs> do that, you. and they come back. To, no, <laughs> and, you know, it speaks a lot for the VW Golf. I mean, it's a yeah. super dependable car. It's a very comfortable car. It's a great one. Uh, the mileage is going to be a, a painful one, right? Particularly yeah. on yep. these German cars, because you know, you're, the guy that's going to be buying it will be worried about maintenance uh, costs that'll come into it. Um, I. Yeah, it's, it's anybody's guess once you're outside of the average. I would probably say 18 to 22-ish K, something in that range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. What would you consider uh, trading it up for, uh, uh, Maris? Uh, uh, no, we currently have a, like, a, a GLC 250 as a family car, and I'm thinking like it's time to... Uh, because you know, in, I have to pay for parking, and yep. we're not using it that much. So you're moving to Uber. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the next. No, wave. no, we got a GLC 250. Yeah, I would have thought uh, that you'd stick to the Volkswagen. It's really, uh, it's been great for you, clearly. <laughs> so I thought yeah, you'd be yeah, married to that car. Maybe, yeah. maybe the next one. Yeah, Absolutely. maybe the next one. But Absolutely. the 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 wife doesn't like uh, SUV Volkswagen, so we had. To compromise and not get an VW. Fair enough. Fair no enough. problems at all. Well, I, I hope we've, uh, I hope we've uh, given you some advice anyway on on where you may be going with that one. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Thank thank you so much, uh, Maris. And we're going straight now to uh, Adam. Good morning. Good morning, Adam. You've got uh, you've got a couple of cars here that you're looking for to uh, to offload. Tell us a little bit about them. Morning, Damien. Morning, Imad. Morning. Uh, yeah, I've got two cars. I've got a 2012 Audi Q5. Um, it's got 168,000 on the clock. It's silver. And I've spent around 10,000 on repairs in the last year. And um, I'm moving to Qatar. And I was possibly going to take one of them with me. And I was just wondering which one to sell or both to sell or what you think would be best. That's the 2-litre, is that right, or, or the V6? It's the 2-litre, I think, yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, they they tend to hold their values pretty well here. The 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 Audis, the Q5s, um, but a lot of people also tend to go for the the V6. So I'm I'm curious to see where where you'd see with this one. Imagine uh, it's got a hundred and sixty eight thousand kilometres, so probably a little bit more. I'm guessing over the average of Ks. Yeah, I think you know the. Sorry, what year model was it? Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. So I think the thing with mileage. There's, of course, the average, and then ultimately there is the absolute number. 
And once you cross uh, certain thresholds, once you cross 100, then 150, then 200, you probably start fitting into different segments of buyers. And those pools get smaller. Uh, the buyers kind of open or have the appetite to take on a car with very high mileage, particularly if it's a German make, because the uh, cost of repair is typically higher. Uh, you said it yourself, you've just undertaken quite a bill on repairs, uh, which is good for the next buyer. But then again, it also spooked them about what may be around the corner. Yeah. So uh, again, with, with once you cross certain mileage thresholds, it becomes uh, a bit more difficult to really gauge the, the, the exact value that you're likely to get. Uh, for the V4, I would think it'll be probably in the 25 to 30K ballpark for a 2012. Okay. Yeah. And the second one that I have is a 2014 Ford Edge. It was first registered in 2016 and it's got 92,000 on the clock. Yeah, that's okay. an, that's in uh, a better uh segment I guess for uh, from a mileage perspective absolutely. What uh what what uh, what what engine and trim spec is that one? Uh I think it's Adam? the SEL. Okay. SEL, I think it is. So I think that's that's the top one. That's the 3.5 liter V6. Um, all-wheel drive too. So the, I think that's the top model too, uh, Imad. So yeah, yeah. they have a, a several trims. So there's also the, the the titanium, the limited, the sport. So uh, it, it depends on which year, uh, which trims came out. I think the SEL, it's in the all-wheel drive. It's not the four-wheel drive alone. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, for the 2014, I'd probably say around 35k, somewhere in that range. Hmm. Uh, very low kilometers too on that one i have to say um adam yeah i think it was first registered in 2016 and only the second owner and i was just wondering do you think it's best if i take it to uh qatar with me or best to offload now and buy when i'm there i uh i think you know for, for that for that style of car um you're probably best to you probably get a a good price for it here and you, it frees you up with the cash to go to Qatar and then purchase something there. Even though you might like the car and have a, have a personal liking for it, um, I generally could have only recommend transporting cars if they're particularly rare or if they're, uh, they're they're not available. You will certainly be able to find a Ford Edge at the Ford showroom in Qatar. So I think probably the best thing to do is yeah, you, you'll get a good price for it here, and then you're free to shop uh, for for a similar one there. Unless you've got a particular affinity for this one, of course. No, not too much. I just had it for a couple of years now, and I, I do really like the car. Um, but but yeah, I, I think, think I'll I think, get rid now. Yeah, I think honestly, the, the the it'll save you some potential headaches in getting the car over the border and getting uh, customs duties and import and, and paperwork and all, all that kind of thing. Um, probably for for a bit of peace of mind, you just j- jump on a plane with a with a, with a with a pocket full of cash and buy something when you get there. <laughs> Unless you want a road trip there to skip the airfares for the World Cup. So I think it depends Ah, a little bit on when exactly you're going to cut that. But I do agree (laughs) with you absolutely, Damien, on uh, the transport costs is probably outweigh any benefits. You might as well just buy a different one when you're there. Brilliant. Thanks, Damien. Thanks so much. My pleasure. No problems. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and, uh, and 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 based on that too, we have another Ford Edge. Just a, it's just a uh, text at the moment. And it's a 2021 Ford Edge Sport um, with 10,000 kilometres on the clock. So, yeah, that's uh, now. There's no other details about that, which makes it a little bit difficult. But let's. Yeah. Look, off the the sticker price on this car is somewhere. I think it's about 150. 
Um, yeah. But as soon as you get into the 2021 models, particularly right now, right, you have, again, all the supply chain issues around new cars. So I would imagine that maybe you won't necessarily sell it for a lot more, but it should be easier to sell right about now because anybody looking for a relatively new Ford Edge is probably going to have some wait lines to get it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I think you think you're right there. Um, got another message, a text message in, and it's the uh, the Jeep Grand Cherokee. It's 2018 model, but it's the Lorado spec, which is the I believe is the the, the top end one. Um, Sixty thousand kilometers on this one, and uh, it is under warranty. So um, uh, again, it's a popular car for this for this market, and the. The Grand Cherokee, not as popular as the Wrangler, of course, but um, but it is certainly one of the ones that that, that people like. And the Lorado has also been a, a very popular car amongst that that. Um, this was that a twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen, yeah, yep. Uh, Grand Cherokee Lorado spec. I'm, I'm not super, personally. I'm not that familiar with the Grand Cherokees. I, I think they come in kind of two blocks, right? There's the these really high end ones that are like six point four liter V eights. Yeah, I'm well, not sure if the Lorado was that this or the one, one before it. Yeah, for this one in 2018, they came out with the 3.6 liter six cylinder or the 5.7 liter V8, um, and 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 they're roughly yeah. It depends on how you go, but certainly I would say it's it's a sub hundred k car. I, I I would put the V6 at around about seventy thousand because I know someone who had one recently. Yeah, um, for that one, but there's no details on this one as to whether it's the v6 or the v8 if it's the v8 um it would be worth yeah probably another i don't know maybe another 15k more yeah I, like i said i'm not that familiar with them i think given that you have an example it's probably the the safe estimates are in, in the range that you suggested yeah yeah for sure fix it or flip it what else would you be doing on a Saturday morning but buying and selling cars and having a play with cars? That's what this show is all about. So what we need, we need a bit of help from your side, though. We need you to tell us all about your car, how much, and we can tell you then how much it's worth. Please tell us the make, the model, the colour, the year, the mileage. Send it to 4001 or via the ARN Play app. And uh, Imad Hamad, who is the founder of CarSwitch.com, and I will talk you through this one. So we're going to go straight to the line now. We've got Sanjeev on the phone. Uh, good morning, Sanjeev. You have a nice car there. Tell us a little bit more about this one. Yeah, I think it's it's a beauty. So I've been in Dubai for like 22 years, and I've I've had uh, this is like my fourth Audi. I'm a big fan, and this was re- a, a real aspirational car that I got in 2017. So it's the RS7 Performance uh, with 605 horsepower on it. Uh, it's a V8 twin turbo in Vegas yellow. So uh, it's the only one in the Middle East. I'm told. So wow. it's a yellow RS7. That's me. Um, now the problem is, you know, it, it's 2017 model year. We are now in 2022. Uh, my car is going to have its warranty expire, uh, in, you know, in the next few months at the end of uh, August to this, uh, October this year. Now my dilemma is, you know, Audis and I have owned a few. Uh, they can be quite expensive to maintain once they're out of warranty. And so my worry is, yeah. what do I do? I, I really enjoy this car. Uh, over these five years, I've done like 88,000 on it. So I, I, it's really my daily car, my outdoor car, my car to go wherever. I, I just love driving this. My wife has a Cayenne, but then I still prefer driving this wherever we go, you know. So it's it's done its fair share of miles, I would say. Uh, and it's totally been a joy. But now the dilemma, you know, do I hold, uh, keep this, 
or do I trade in and get something new, you know, just to be worry about the maintenance costs. Can you extend the warranty, by the way, at Audi? So Audi doesn't. Unfortunately, unlike Porsche, who sell you exactly. manufacturer warranty, yeah. uh, you know, I've tried so hard with Audi. You know, it, it, I don't know why they don't upsell and, you know, just sell manufacturer warranty. Uh, and gap warranty, it sucks. Uh, you know, um, I, it, it has a lot of exclusions. And yeah, and you, and you have a, quite the performance vehicle, so it's a bit trickier. I mean, with an RS7, uh, particularly coming out of warranty, um, German makes generally with a reputation on maintenance costs. I think I, I hear your concern 100%. Uh, I think whether you decide to sell it or not is, of course, a personal choice. So it sounds like you really love this car. It's going to be a tough decision for you. I think from a value perspective... Uh, these are very difficult to price, particularly given that it's in, in a yellow color, uh, which is iconic, looks amazing for some folks. For other folks, they may have a different color in mind, right? It's one of these flashy, uh, quite loud uh, characters that will not fit everybody's taste. So I think selling it will take a bit of time, more so than necessarily about the value, because it's just going to need to find the right buyer. Um, when it comes to value, again, when you find the right buyer, the next guy that's in love with an RS7 will be willing to pay what it takes, and the person who's not really a big fan won't pay either way. Uh, I think the range is quite a big range on these. I would say you're looking at 200 to 250k, and the reason it's a large range is because of you know who, where does it do you find the right person, how much of a rush are you, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I think you probably because you got. Was it eighty eight thousand kilometers on that one? Um, you might be able to bump it up a little bit, maybe. Uh, eighty eight was it? It's a two thousand and seventeen model, isn't it? So that's right. Yeah, registered in October two thousand seventeen. It's brand new from the dealership, um, and always been maintained with them. Actually, I've not really had uh, too many issues from a mm. warranty standpoint, uh, and uh, and also you know. So one of the things that I'm also mindful of, this, this is a beautiful V8. It's got the cylinder on demand, so it's quite frugal with yep. fuel. But I do think that I'd want to go electric with my with the next car, you know. So, uh, yeah, and it, it's just a beaut. It sounds great. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the color is polarizing. I, I can get that. But so far, most people who have seen the car love it. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and look, that, that love will help uh, raise the price tag. Absolutely, right? So, and, you know, it's all... It's all uh, opinions and I think a bit of luck as well on finding the right person for it. So it's absolutely something that you could also test, try yep. to sell, see what reactions you get to it, and tweak the pricing from there. Well, I hope that's uh, that's giving you some advice, uh, Sanjeev. Um, sorry, no, because, and yep. would you mind if I just move, move to the next? Because I've got my friend with me. His name is Vishal. Yeah, and he is looking to uh, you know don't call it a midlife crisis, but he <laughs> wants to get a Ferrari. So. What would be your tip to him? Should he buy new or secondhand? What what should he do? Because we're not sure about the cost of ownership. That's uh, or between a Ferrari and a Lambo. You know what would be the uh, let's say the sensible car to buy. That is the, okay. Okay, <laughs> the, you are throwing a few things in the air there. One is the million dollar. One is the million dollar question, which is the economic um, choice. Thinking with the head or the heart, then you've got the maintenance cost of a, of a used one. You've got the depreciation of a new one, as we just had, had it with the previous caller. The the, the the new ones aren't holding the value as well as the used ones because they've gone turbocharged and not the old V8s. Um, yeah, and 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 then. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. I, I really wouldn't be able to be able to give you any advice straight off the top of my head because you're talking about such a wide spectrum. 
the advice I can give you is, look, if you want it, go with your heart. <laughs> I won't hold anyone back from buying a Ferrari, that's for sure. I'm I'm a bit more biased than Damien. I think the one part that I would give advice on, uh, the one aspect of that, and again, I'm biased, go for used. There's just a yeah. lot more value in it. Um, yeah. I think for a Ferrari particularly, make sure there's a warranty on it, right? You can check up the vehicle history. That's yeah. quite comfortable and easy to get in the UAE. So given the UAE context, if you can find a Ferrari that's perhaps a couple of years old, not too old, I think it'll hold better value. And uh, incidentally, we had a caller for a Ferrari uh, looking to sell just yeah. a little while ago. So maybe we can pass his number to you or somehow. <laughs> Great. Sanjeev, I hope that's uh, giving, you, giving you some advice. We've got to wrap up. We've got, a, we've got a few few more busy callers through. But uh, good luck with the Ferrari and good luck with uh, with, with your purchase as well. Uh, we're going straight now to, uh, to Philip, who's on the line. Um, Philip, now you have uh, a 2016 Infiniti Q50. Uh, two liter. Um, tell us what what you're looking to do with this one. Uh, hi guys. Yeah, um, I'm kind of looking to uh, to get it valued. I've had it valued here. It's a, it's a white two liter Q, uh, Q50, 117k. Um, I, I have had it valued here. I'm in Abu Dhabi. Okay. I have had it valued, but I'm looking to. Uh, my family has just expanded, so I have a, a toddler and newborn twins. So I need something that I can get. You know, uh, a football a football team full of kids, <laughs> and uh, you know, and everything else that goes with it. So, uh, so yeah, I, I I also have a Pajero, but the Pajero, believe it or not, is no good for for more than two kids. So. Yeah, the, the, the fun is just beginning, Philip. Um, good, oh, yeah. <laughs> good luck with that. Now, okay, uh, while while Imad sort of crunches his numbers and finds uh, a, a value on the on the 2016 Infiniti 2 litre. What I, what I probably could suggest is um, if you've been satisfied with the Infiniti so far and they do make a good product, uh, for, for that style of car, I recently drove the QX60, the new one, and uh, it everything that you've mentioned there, it ticks those boxes in terms of getting access to it. It's got the three rows of seats. You can pull the, the middle row seat forward and you can actually fit a, a child capsule with the isofix into the third row as well. Um, yeah. Now that's the new one. If you're looking at a at, at a budget, uh, the previous model also has that feature as well. So, you know, I'd I'd probably first. You know what? I would actually um, go to the Infinity showroom and just see if your if your car's been well maintained, and see what they would offer you in, on the on the. The the remaining few hours that we have left of Ramadan deals, it might be worth a shot. Okay, okay. I've had a look at the, uh, I had a look at the Explorers, but they are they are like gold dust. They, they they go quite, they go quite quick. And and I was looking at Tahoe's also. Yeah. I, I, I was looking at the larger Infinities, but I haven't got to the stage where I've actually gone into one. And yeah, not not like not the full size big ones, but the mid size. You got the you got the QX50, yeah. 60. You got the 80. The 80 is is, is a big car. Uh, but if you're looking for something that's for just for just when you when you're starting a family as you are. The sixty is uh, is a nice size. Um, I'd, I'd go that way. Imad, what, what would you think about the? Firstly, ideas the value of the yeah. of the so Q fifty. I, I think there, I peg it probably around fifty five to sixty five somewhere therein. I think on your comment of uh, going to the showroom and pretend and and then I think that's a great comment. Um, there's it will certainly be convenient and quick to look into trade ins. Of course, the value that you get back on the trade-in will be considerably lower than what you would get selling the car in the private market. 
And the rationale for that is obviously a dealer buying the car from you will need to make a profit margin and account for any risk that they may get the pricing wrong, any reconditioning that needs to take place on the car. Whereas when you go out and sell it in the private market, and there's numerous platforms to do that, you sell it to an individual, you get a lot better value. It will take some time because you mm. need to find that right buyer, and it takes a bit more effort. What, 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 do you, what do you think the Q50 if on the market would, would pull? Yeah, so I was saying Q55 to 65 yeah. would probably be the range, assuming okay. that you're in the private market. To yeah. a dealer, I probably think maybe 45 to 50. Yeah, Philip, how, how does that how does that sound? Yeah, so so I, I've had it valued from a not from a dealer, not from not from Nissan or Infinity, but from a from a car showroom here in Abu Dhabi, and it was it was bang in the middle of 45, 50. Yeah, okay, um, which is from yeah. them. Uh, and I, I haven't exercised the option. I haven't looked into it. For uh, for the private, yeah. Do you think there'll be much appetite for private? No, absolutely. There's, yeah. I mean, there's absolutely yeah. appetite everywhere, right? It's a popular car. Infinity uh, is quite a common one. Uh, the dealer is buying it for forty five because they're going to turn around and make some money off of it, yeah. which is yeah. fair game, right? I mean, it's a business. Yeah, I understand. So yeah, I hope that's uh, that, that's giving you some answers, Imad, and uh, all, all the best with the new family. <laughs> Okay, thank you, guys. Thank, thanks very much. Uh, and uh, believe it or not, that's all, all we've got time for for Fix It or Flip It this morning. So uh, it's been a, been a very busy morning. And uh, Imad Hamad, founder of CarSwitch.com, thank you so much for, for thank joining you us. Thank you for having me. It's been, uh, it's been a really interesting uh, morning talking about CarSwitch and, uh, and, and guiding values.